good morning and welcome to Anastasia Church. We are so excited that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Um, if this is your first time, I want to encourage you to let us know that you are visiting and there's a few ways you can do that. The first, we have a text-based system. You can text the word CONNECT to the number 904-441-6900 and that'll pull up our digital CONNECT card. You can also use that number and that same keyword CONNECT to send any prayer requests you might have or you can um, visit out in the atrium at our welcome desk and we also have a gift for you there. You can text that same number and text the word NEWS that will pull up our digital bulletin. So if you forget any of the lovely announcements I have today for you, you can access those anytime throughout the week. A few things that we have going on this afternoon, our preschool and kindergarten kids praise classes are doing their end of the year music number in the CLC at 4 p.m. Um, it's adorable. I encourage you to go and check out what they've been working on all year long. And in other kids news, we have VBS coming up and we need volunteers. So if you have not already let us know you'll be helping out at Vacation Bible School this summer, please stop by the table out in the atrium and you get to wear one of these awesome shirts. And then last but not least, we have ocean baptisms happening on May 15th. We love um, coming alongside you in your um, faith journey and encouraging you. So if you have not taken that next step of baptism, um, that'd be an awesome opportunity to make your faith public. And it's also a great time for our church to come around and rally and just celebrate what God is doing in the lives of our family. This week, we will not have our midweek activities. Our uh, ministry and pastors are going on a retreat. So I just ask that you pray for us as we are gone, that we will come back uh, rejuvenated, rested, and ready to do what the Lord has called us to do. Thank you. In his letter to the Philippian church, Paul wrote, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. A little bit later in that same letter, he wrote, My brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe to you. Then right there again, near the end of that same letter, he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. If Paul said it three times in one letter, the Holy Spirit was trying to get something through to him and through to us. So let's stand and let's rejoice in Jesus, our Lord and our King.
Please be seated. His kingdom cannot fail. He rules our earth and heaven. We just sang. Well, one of the ways that Jesus demonstrated his authority to rule over earth as he did in heaven was by performing miracles. The gospel writer Matthew relates one such incident in which Jesus not only healed a sick man, but he also taught a valuable truth about who gets to be admitted into heaven. The scene unfolds with a centurion asking Jesus for a favor. Now, realize a centurion was a Roman soldier. He was part of the occupying force who was ruling um, Jerusalem at that time. So he comes to ask Jesus a favor. I'm picking up the reading from God's word now. When he, and that refers to Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering horribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Would you read with me the remainder of this passage? Let's see how Jesus replied. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. May God bless this reading and hearing of his word. So Jesus saw that entrance into heaven, it's not based on family pedigree or religious practice, but it's based on faith. It's based on accepting that offer of salvation that Jesus makes. And when we accept that offer, then we begin traveling home to heaven. We're traveling home to heaven above To sing the Savior's dying love
so much fun up here. Let's join them. Would you stand? Let's sing together.
In the book tis written, saved by grace, oh the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes it's mine. And white-robed angels sing the story a sinner has come home for there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine oh yes it's mine with my sins forgiven I am bound for Can I brag on you guys a little bit? Is that okay? That'd be all right. Okay. Well, good. I want to let you know, last week, if you got a bulletin, it says that we had 2,600 people in total attendance uh, for all of our congregations around this campus. But we forgot to include our kids in that count. So that puts us well into the 2,800 number for how many people attended last weekend. And that's because you invited, you encouraged people to come, and you showed up. So we're just so grateful uh, for what an incredible weekend we had. But also, if that wasn't enough, right, uh, we do a special offering during Easter time. Uh, it's called the Annie Armstrong Offering. And this goes to support missionaries in North America. And you guys raised just under $10,000 for the Annie Armstrong Offering. So give yourself applause. Give your God applause for that. We're so grateful for your generosity as a church and how you give and you support this church. And if you came this morning with a heart and you would like to, uh, to give this morning, just to remind you the ways that you can do that, we have... Um, giving boxes, the silver giving boxes are out in the vestibule and atrium as well as you can give online. But we're so grateful for your generosity. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much, God, and we want to give you all glory and honor. And God, we're just so thankful for how you're using this congregation in, in might and in power for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord. And so we love you and we praise you and we give you praise. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray.
Thank you for that, Miss Connie. What an awesome way to use your talent to glorify the Lord and use it for worship. That's not just a pretty song. That's actually worship to the Lord. What a blessing it is to uh, experience that this morning. So before I get into the message, I would like to share a little announcement. Um, We have a special called business meeting in four weeks. Um, on Sunday, uh, April or May 22nd at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the CLC, we're going to be having a special business meeting to uh, talk about the new building that we are, um, that we're going forward with. Um, seven years ago, we shared a vision to uh, provide better and more secure space for our youth, our children, and our preschool um, students. And so we've been working towards that, dreaming about that, planning towards that. We put together a building steering committee, and they've been working and, and planning, and they bring a recommendation now to us. After the pandemic is kind of is kind of gone and behind us, there was a little bit of a, a pause on it there. And so after all that's gone and, and, and uh, we're kind of getting back on it, they make a recommendation for us to, uh, to continue to move forward. And we're going to meet and talk about that in four weeks. So put that on your calendar. I want to invite all of y'all to show up at, uh, at four o'clock in the CLC on May 22nd. So we're going to decide whether or not to proceed with the construction of this family ministry center and the activity center. So let it be known that it's been announced here hope you show up. We're a congregational um, gathering, and so we, we say we believe that God works through all of us to, to move forward as a church. So let me talk about this series that we're beginning today. We're starting a new series called Radical Reality. The reality of this world can sometimes weigh kind of heavy on you. Does it ever weigh heavy on you, the reality that we live in? Sometimes the the realities of this world can cause depression, anxiety, sinfulness. Um, is, is this mic kind of hot? I, I, I feel like it's like really super hot. Is it? It's kind of it's kind of hot and kind of loud, huh? So I'm going to talk probably a lot louder than this because it's going to be a crazy message. Um, so yeah, there we go. But, um, but yeah, so even like little frustrations and things when you walk in a place and the music's too loud, you know, I mean, sometimes it's like things can be frustrating. Um, if you walk around in the, the, the world, the sinfulness that you um, may see, or, um, I, I've, I heard once somebody said, um, when we get so frustrated with the sinfulness out there, that same sinfulness is inside of me. And so I should be just as equally frustrated with the sinfulness that's inside of me. Do you ever get frustrated uh, with the, uh, with your age? And that we keep getting older, things keep getting worse. You know, you start getting um, new aches and pains. That frustrates me. Maybe um, with with the, your job situation. Um, do you have a boss that you love, or do you have a boss that frustrates you a little bit? Or maybe uh, poor wages. Maybe you feel a little bit overworked and underpaid, underappreciated. Or don't even get me started on politics. You're not supposed to bring that up in church, are you? Oi. You know, like we can't know, neither, neither side can agree with each other on anything. And both sides hate each other all the time. And, and man, it's so polarizing nowadays. And the reality of this world can kind of weigh heavy on you sometimes. And um, <clears throat> a lot of people turn to virtual realities to seek a new experience other than the experience that we have um, here in this world. And so people will turn to, to video games and chat rooms, and that becomes their adventure. 
You know, people will turn to social media and that becomes a place where they get approval. A lot of people get their approval from how many likes they get or how many followers they have. And they get their community. The places where they interact with the most people is all on social media, all on digital platforms on their phone or on their, on their tablet or on their computer. And that's not um, real face-to-face interactions. A lot of people will move to remote work instead of interacting with people, remote learning, or even our doctor's visits have become teledoc. Now it's kind of helpful sometimes, you know, um, but, but uh, it's, it's become where we, we prefer almost this virtual reality instead of what's right in front of our face. But God offers us something that can shape our reality into something completely new and more exciting and more meaningful than we could ever imagine. Now, many of us in this room, if you've come here week after week, if you're a church member, if you're a believer in Christ, you know about this reality. You know about what God can do in your life. But if you're new to church or if you're not a Christian, this new reality may sound kind of intriguing. When you put your faith in Christ, God creates something new inside of you. And he gives you love. He gives you joy. He gives you peace that passes understanding. Peace that's greater than understanding. Peace that comes in a time when everything feels like it's going out of control. You can have peace. And it doesn't make sense. That's what that peace that passes understanding or peace that's greater than understanding is. And God gives that to us. He creates a new nature in us that um, is, is more exciting and more adventurous than anything this world has to offer. Over the next few weeks, we're going to study the red letters of the Bible. These are the words of Jesus. And most of those red letters happen in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But isn't it kind of cool to see when those red letters pop up in other places in the Bible? It's kind of neat. When in the book of Acts, after Jesus has died, he rose from the dead and he went to, already went back up to heaven. And then the red letters pop up again. I think that's kind of neat. We're like, oh, there's Jesus, you know? Or when it happens even later on in Revelation, the whole first part of Revelation is all in red letters. You're like, huh, that's Jesus speaking. He was revealing himself to John as a, as a message to the churches. Even at the very, very end of, of the Bible in the book of Revelation, you see some more red letters. And I'm like, huh, there's Jesus. That's kind of cool. So we're gonna be studying the words of Jesus. A lot of people come to church and they call themselves Christians or Christ followers. They don't even know what Jesus taught. They think, oh, I think a lot of good things about, about uh, God and church, and they know a lot about how to go to church. But they don't really know what Jesus taught. So we're going to study the red letters and look at the words of Jesus. So I wanna invite you to turn in your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, the first one of the gospels. The words will not be on the screen So get out your Bible. We're going to read along together. I'll be reading from the CSB. As you study Jesus and his his mission and his teachings, his mission was not to heal everybody. You saw he healed a lot of people, but there were a lot of towns that Jesus went to and he didn't heal everybody. He went into some places and, and he says, I'm not healing anybody here because they don't have faith. And his mission was not to tell everybody how wrong they had their theology. And I'm sure he could have done that. And a lot of people had it really wrong. 
He didn't come in and just tell them that it was all wrong and make them feel bad about it. His mission wasn't to build a new religion, which might sound kind of surprising considering where we are now. His, Jesus's mission was to offer salvation to the world. That was his mission. He came here to die on a cross. That was his purpose and his mission so that he could offer us a way to have a relationship with God. And while he was ministering here on earth, he equipped a small group of people who would be inspired enough to build, after he left, to build God's kingdom. And we are continuing that ministry today. So we're gonna read in this, um, this uh, Matthew chapter seven, the words of Jesus, starting in verse 13. He says this, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the, road is, and, the, and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life and few there are that find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize these people by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize these wolves in sheep's clothing by their fruit. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and how you give us your word to teach us who you are specifically, to help us know how to live our lives to bring you glory. Lord, I pray that you will teach us from your word. Lord, I pray that the people in this room will hear your words and not mine, that they will have an experience with you and not me. But Lord, that we will all be able to go out as a result from this word, that we will be able to live it out and bring you glory not ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this message is called, everybody uh, doesn't go to heaven, but everybody can. Not, everybody, or not everybody's gonna go to heaven, but everybody can. And Jesus is giving us this simple message about who's gonna make it to heaven. This passage is towards the end of one of the most famous sermons ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, and then ends in Matthew chapter seven. Jesus is, is coming around and he's teaching, he's bringing a whole new level of teaching. And up until now, all of the Jews thought that they could get into heaven by observing the law. And Jesus was changing everything. And now they kind of felt probably kind of hopeless. They felt like that we were in because of our, of we're following the law. And Jesus, I, I've never murdered anybody. Jesus said, well, if you have hatred in your heart, it's just like you've murdered somebody. 
They said, well, I've never committed adultery. And Jesus said, well, if you ever had lust in your heart towards a woman, it's like you've committed adultery. And so they're probably feeling kind of, kind of down, kind of like, well, how are we going to get there? And he tells them this, this message about who's going to get to heaven and who's not. And he starts off and he says, he says, enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate is narrow and difficult is the road. And the reality is, is that there will be a few people that you know will get to heaven. There's going to be a few people that you know that you know that you know. If anybody's in heaven, that person's in heaven, right? So I preached my mom's funeral a couple of months ago. And my mom, uh, my, my brother said, I know everybody's a sinner, but my mom wasn't a sinner. And so there, she did have few, lots fewer sins than probably all of us in this room. My mom was barely a sinner, but she was still a sinner. And I preached her message. And when we were all in that room, I preached that, that, that uh, funeral sermon. And when we were all in that room, there was a, uh, a, an understanding, a feeling. We knew where she was. I know without a doubt that my mom's in heaven. You probably know somebody like that. So there's a few people in this world that you know that you know that you know, and their life, Jesus says, your life will be hard, and, um, and, and, but the reward will be great. There's few that walk on that road. He also said, there will be people who you know won't make it to heaven. You know what I mean? I mean, sitting on the same rope. I don't know. There's going to be some people that you know won't make it to heaven. You look at their life and you look at the fruit of their life and you say, I know that person. They, they, they claim it. Maybe they say it. I'm, I'm not a believer. I'm not. There's no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Um, so I've, I've talked with people and they even know. They say, I know I'm not going to heaven and I'm okay with that right now. And as I want to live the life the way I want to live it. It's just how they, how they, and there's some people that you know won't be there. They, and the Bible here describes them as ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. You'll know those people because they have no fruit. And a lot of those people try to bring as many people with them as possible. They don't live a life that is, that is honoring of the Lord. And you know that they're not going to make it to heaven. But then there's this group that Jesus mentions and there are people who think they're going to make it to heaven, but then they won't. Those are going to be probably a lot of religious people. And he says, they, they talk the talk, but we cast out demons, but we did miracles in your name. And they'll go through the motions and they'll say, I wore the right clothes and I had a great attendance record and I had all of the lines memorized. But Jesus said, I will tell them, depart from me because I never what? I never knew you. That's what it's all about. It's all about knowing Jesus personally. It's not about knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing him personally. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Or are you just going through the motions? Or are you just showing up? Do you know him? At the end of today's message, I want to give an invitation. I want to give an opportunity for you to walk forward and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you've never done it before. If you're on the internet watching today, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. So he says today, he said, these red letters, Jesus said, there are a lot of people, a lot of people who won't make it to heaven. That's not a popular statement. 
I said it in the, in the early crowd, and now here I am. This one is actually uh, being broadcast on the internet. It's live right now on Facebook and YouTube, and it's going to be uh, captured, and it's going to be posted, and it's going to stay there forever, right? Once it's on the internet, there it is. And I'm going online right now to the world, and it's saying something that's not popular, but that not everybody is going to make it to heaven. As a matter of fact, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to to make it there. And I don't personally really care for that message. I don't like that message. I wish that the way that it was all set up was where to get to heaven was more like a a bicycle wheel, where there are a lot of spokes and there are a lot of different ways to get to heaven. Whether you believe in any kind of religion or any kind of way, if you just kind of live a life of self-discipline and you try then you will all get to the same goal. But that's not how it is. That would make me feel better about about getting to heaven and and having a message of, of love and God to people. But that's not what the truth of God's word said. The truth of God's word says that there's only one way to get to heaven. And as a matter of fact, most people aren't going to choose that way. And if you're not going to heaven, where are you going to go? You're going to go to hell. That's also not popular to say on the internet in front of everybody to tell, to tell you that most people in the world are not going to go to heaven. They're going to go to hell. And you don't want to go to hell. To hell. Some people say it's manipulative for a pastor to talk about hell and try to scare people away from hell and into heaven. It's manipulative to talk about hell a little bit because that's kind of fear-mongering and that kind of a thing. But if you were in a burning house, would I not speak passionately, yell at the top of my lungs, and try to convince you to get out of that house because death is certain and imminent? Would I not do that? Wouldn't it be uncaring of me to just say, to say, oh, you, you're, you're in your place and you're comfortable and you're at your dining room table or in your bedroom or you're in your living room and you're on your comfortable couch. Why don't you just go ahead and stay there because that's what you prefer. Wouldn't it be uncaring of me to not try to pull you, coerce you, persuade you, yell at the top of my lungs, speak up and maybe even offend you to tell you that you're in a burning house. Well, it's the same way when it comes to hell. You don't want anybody to go to hell. You don't want your worst enemy to go to hell. We shouldn't wish hell upon anybody. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. He said, it's a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not fun. There's, there's, Sobbing, crying, weeping, gnashing of teeth because of the pain. There is an unquenchable flame, a flame that never goes out. I did some barbecue yesterday, uh, backyard barbecue, Texas style, and I'm pretty good at it. Okay, I don't do that old uh, that old uh, electric smoker pellet kind of a thing. I do it over a real oak wood fire. Okay, I get my my wood from Mr. Swilly down on Holmes Road, and um, he sells it to me. And I do a good old fashioned Texas style barbecue, brisket and pulled pork over an oak wood fire, and I man that fire all day long. 
sit and watch that thing. And I actually took a little video of that fire yesterday because I knew this message that was coming up today. And I looked in there at that fire as I was manning and watching that fire and putting the logs on. And sometimes I got a few of the hairs singed on my hands. And sometimes it, the smoke and everything went up into my eyes so much, I kind of had to take a little, take a little breath back and take, get back a little because it was really, really hot. But it was only cooking that stuff at about 250 degrees. But I looked in at that fire and it was just red hot right in the middle of that. And you know what? Fire, uh, hell is infinitely hotter than that. And it's unquenchable. It never stops. It never goes out. And there is a chasm between here and hell, between heaven and hell that is fixed. You can't get out. Once you go to hell, you're there for good, for eternity. You can never get out. Now is the time to make a decision about what your eternity is going to be like. And you know what? There's no party in hell. You ain't going to be there with your buddies singing rock and roll music in hell. There's no pot smoking in hell. There's no drinking in hell. There's no doing drugs in hell. It's not going to be a time where you and your buddies are going to have a good time. In hell, no matter what you've done, you shouldn't wish anybody to go to hell. And the worst thing about it, the worst thing after all of that is there is a complete and total separation from God, from the creator that made you, from the one whose image we bear will be separated for all of eternity. That's whether it seems like it or not, that's the worst part of it. You don't want anybody to go to hell. And the reality is that Jesus said in his red letters is that wide is the road. That most people, that a lot of people are going there. Do you know him today? Jesus said that narrow is the gate and broad or and, and difficult is the road that leads to life. Few people will make it to heaven. Few people will walk that road. This word in verse 14, Jesus said, how narrow is the gate? And your, my translation says, difficult is the road. I looked in the original language and that word difficult literally means, means to be constricting. The road that we walk that is narrow, the road that leads to life is constricting. It's narrow. It's hard to walk. It's difficult. And few there are that choose that road. Sounds kind of narrow-minded, doesn't it? That there's only one way. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets into the Father except through me. It sounds kind of narrow-minded, doesn't it? Well, if things are complicated or important, they have specific or narrow steps to complete them. So if I have um, a, a little, uh, there's a candy closet out in, the youth, in the youth building down there. And I got a little lock on that. And um, I have a little key. And that little key opens that little lock. But it's a little key that you could probably get by buying that same lock anywhere at Home Depot. There's probably piles of little keys that'll fit that little lock. And there's probably piles of people who can get into that little lock with a little bobby pin or something like that. And it's fairly easy, I would guess, <clears throat> to break into the candy closet in the youth room. Okay? So um, 
there is, um, there, however, if, if you have like a, a gun safe in your house, you get one of those big like uh, safes that, that you can have in your closet or something like that. You think about that one, that's probably a little bit more complicated. There's probably fewer people that can get into that safe, that can crack that code. There's probably a, a little bit more of a specific way to get into that kind of a safe because it's got some important stuff, a little bit more important than candy, right? But if I'm going to try and figure out the codes for the nuclear football, when I actually type that out on my, on my computer, I'm like, you know, big brother's looking at all of this stuff, right? And you know, they're listening on all of our phones and I actually typed it out. And I'm like, I wonder if I should like type that out a little bit differently. Even like when I'm saying it now, I'm kind of like, I wonder if the FBI or somebody's going to show up here just because I like mentioned like cracking the code for the nuclear football, you know? So, uh, <clears throat> but I'm sure there is a very, very, very specific code and a very narrow-minded way to make that thing work right? Because that is very important, very important. So for the most important goals, they have very specific and very narrow steps to complete these goals. The more important a goal is, the more narrow the steps to complete it are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody gets to the father except through me. The most important decision you could ever make is where you're going to spend eternity. And there's only one way to get there. That's not narrow-minded. It's just the way it is. It's the way God, the one who made it all, says that's how it goes. In the readers of Matthew, Jesus, Jesus uh, was, uh, was speaking to a bunch of Jewish people. And Matthew wrote this book. Matthew wrote the testimony of Matthew to Jewish people to, to convince them and persuade them that Jesus was the Messiah. And all of the readers of Matthew and Jesus's audience, as he was talking to them, they, they probably thought, we're in, we're good. I'm a Jew. I'm the chosen one. We're circumcised because of our heritage and our nationality. We are in. I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. Um, we keep the law. We're religious. We're trying really hard. We're in. And I think there may be a lot of other people in today's world that are like that. They think, I go to church all the time. I have all the right verses memorized and I have the right clothes and I have the right playlist. I listen to the right music, I'm in. But can I ask you a crazy question? It's gonna sound kind of crazy in a, in a room like this, okay? What percentage of people do you think in churches will make it to heaven? What percentage of people that are in the church today, Sunday, will make it? The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, one will be taken and one will leave. One will be sitting there. They'll be in a field, two of them will be working, one will be taken and one of them is going to be there. There'll be two brothers and one of them is going to go and one of them is going to stay. So there's going to be a lot of places where you're going to be sitting next to somebody and Jesus is going to come back and some people are going to go and some people aren't. Let me ask you another question that's kind of a little bit step further. What percentage of people in our church do you think we're going to make it? What percentage do you think? You don't have to answer that out loud right now, but <laughs> what percentage do you think? Let me ask you, let me take it another little step further. What percentage of people in this room do you think are going to make it? How do you know if somebody's going to be there? You know them by their fruit. You know them by the life that they live. 
not their attendance, not the clothes they wear, not how many verses they memorize, only by one way, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruit that come out because the Spirit is in there. You don't have to, to, to tell an orange tree to work hard to produce oranges. It just does so because it can't help it. That's how a Christian is because they just produce love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the spirit because they can't help it. It's in them. They can't help it. So I think this is a message that, that um, needs to have a response from everybody. So what would I ask of you after this message? Because I think that there's probably a pretty high percentage of the people in this room that are gonna be there. And you've probably heard this message before. You know, wide is the, the road and narrow, and many are there on it and narrow is the gate and few there are that are on it. We learned that in third grade, a long time ago in Sunday school, right? A lot of us in, in this room did. So we walk away and we say, oh, that was a great message. That was a great message. So then what, what really would it, what is the response that I want from a crowd like this today? Well, I, I'm, I'm also fooling myself if I think that there are some people who aren't Christian or if there aren't anybody in here who's not a Christian. So I'm gonna give an invitation and I wanna invite you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come now because, because uh, hell is hot and heaven is good and I wanna be there, right? And I want you to be there with us. But if you know Jesus... Check out these little numbers that I, that I looked up. It took me a little while to, to search this stuff out, okay? Um, so let's throw this slide up here. 191,243 people in St. John's County in 2010. Pretty cool. 12 years ago, um, there were 191,243 people. And according to the Association of Religious Data Archives, um, this next slide, these are the people that were in Protestant churches. And it was a pretty wide, uh, wide uh, a pretty big, big group of Protestant churches. There was a bunch of lists of churches on there. I was like, I'm not sure if that's really a church, but I, we included it all. Um, it's uh, uh, 36,265 people. And that's just like kind of on the rolls attending church. That's probably once a month or maybe once every other month. So it's probably a way a lot less than that. But um, but that's how what this particular place said that there were in, uh, in church in 2010. So one way that you can describe that number, go ahead and hit the next one, is that there are actually 82% of the people in St. John's County in 2010 that were not attending church anywhere. If you do the math and you see 36,000 of 191,000, that's 18%. So there's 82% of people not going to church anywhere. And since 2010... There's a very popular statistic among Southern Baptists. Go ahead and hit the next one. That 90% of the SBC churches are plateaued or declining. Meaning by our church membership, 90% of the Southern Baptist churches, which we're a part, are either staying the same or declining. It's crazy. Now check out this next slide. That in St. John's County from 2010 to 2022, we have a 155% increase in residence. That's crazy. So there's more people than ever that are living in our places, in our, in our county, and our churches are still either plateaued or declining. Here's the reality is that 
our churches should be busting out of the seams. And there, these numbers are proof that there are lots and lots of people that are not going to church anywhere. If church is any indicator of people, of number of people who are Christians. Let me finish this up with, with an illustration. This is going to sound kind of funny. This is kind of figurative at the beginning here, and then you'll see where I'm going with it. Everybody in this room, in our church, we all have shoes on. We all have shoes on. And we have, been, we have bought and paid for an infinite supply, an unlimited supply of every size and style of shoes. And we have them in our supply closets here at the church. We all have shoes and we have an unlimited supply of shoes. And 90% or more, probably lots more, of the people in our county are walking around with achy, blistered, bare feet. And they're complaining about how much their feet hurt. Maybe even a lot of them are not complaining, but their feet are bloody and blistered and aching and they have to walk around on them all day long to get anywhere they're going to go. But we have shoes and we have an unlimited supply of those shoes. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? This is the invitation for a crowd like this. This is the invitation for a crowd of people that I know a lot of your faces, you, you come here all the time. For the, the people that say, well, I've heard that message since I was in Sunday school. Oh, I, I've, I memorized these scriptures a long time ago and I'm a believer. I think that I really truly do know Jesus and I'm in. This is the message for you, is that we have the answer, we have the cure we know what it takes to not have to go to hell, but to get to heaven. And there's 90% of the people that are living out there that don't. We have an unlimited supply of being able to share that with other people. So I want to challenge you, inspire you. I want to invite you to go out and share with the thousands and thousands of people that are out there that are dying and going to hell. We shouldn't want any of them to go there. But there's so many of them that are walking that road. What do you have to do to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You have to do two things. You have to believe and you have to repent. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. If you confess with him... Confess the Lord Jesus. If he's your Lord, that means you've submitted yourself and you're following him. In that statement, Lord is the word repent. Repent literally means to change your mind about sin, to turn around, uh, turn your life around, to change direction and to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life. Those two things, belief and repentance. Share that message, will you, this week? With your, work, with your coworker, with your neighbor, with somebody in your family. You know you have family members that don't know Jesus. Call them up this week. Tell them about Jesus. Say, all you gotta do is believe and repent. Believe that God, Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sin, that he was risen, that was risen from the grave and that he went back into heaven. Believe that. 
and then trust him as your Lord. Say that my sinfulness that I was walking towards because when I was, when I was born, I had sinfulness. I'm turning my, myself around and I know that I'm sinfulness. My sinfulness is against God and I'm gonna start walking towards Lord Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm learning every day, learning every day. So if you're not sure today, if you're not certain, I'm the youth pastor. I talk with teenagers all the time and teenagers all the time are like, I don't know, I don't wanna to go to hell, I don't wanna to go to hell. I don't know if I'm Christian, how do you know? How do you know? Until I see my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, how do you really know? You know by your fruit. And if you've been a Christian for maybe a little while longer, your faith is probably a little stronger than that, you might know for certain. But if you don't know for certain and you're in this room and you've been going to church a long time, I wanna invite you to know for certain today. Believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died for your sins, that he rose on the third day, believe that and then trust him as your Lord. Repent of your sinfulness and trust him as your Lord. I wanna invite you on the internet. If you're right in the, in the comfort of your own home, just do that right now. Say, Lord, I believe that you're God's son. You died on the cross for my sins. And I wanna repent of my sinfulness and, and live my life towards you, toward living for you. And then get yourself in a church and then learn how to live that life and, and start with the red letters. But if you've made that decision, I wanna invite you today to go and share Jesus with the 90% of the people that are out there because wide is the road that leads to destruction and we don't want anybody to go there. We pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, another day to live and point people to you. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that, that I walk through the motions and I don't think about the people in my life that don't know you. Lord, I pray that as a result of this message that I will make an adjustment in my life and speak up to my neighbors and coworkers, family members and call them and love them and explain to them, convince them and challenge them coerce them, maybe even step on their toes a little bit or offend them because I don't want them to go to hell. Lord, I praise you that you make a way for us to have a relationship with you and escape those flames and bring you glory. What a good and mighty God you are. I pray for people in this room right now and for people watching on the internet that they'll be inspired to accept you as their Lord and Savior and then share you with the people in their life. May we do so for your glory, not our own. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. While we sing this next song, come on up here and tell me if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come on up here and tell me if you wanna commit to share the gospel this week or tell somebody in, in your, on, on your aisle right there. Tell somebody the decision that you're gonna make, but I'll be right up here. If you wanna make a decision, you can. Thank you, Pastor David. Let's take it. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather, Called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder.
Church, as we depart, receive your blessing from God's word. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Go out now with your hearts toward God, your hands toward your neighbors, and your eyes toward heaven. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen. Amen.